0: Whether it's relationships, work, or just with friends, there are plenty of things that I've done that I'll suddenly think about and feel ashamed of. But surely I'm not the only one who has this happen, so I'm going to be talking to a whole bunch of people and asking them about what they're ashamed of and how they think that's influenced the person they are today. This episode's guest is the incredibly funny comedian and entertainer Dilruk Jayasinghe. You know, I'm pretty sure everyone was laughing and, you know, it's quite embarrassing in
1: hindsight, and I guess I really regret not telling anyone. Like, I don't know what i mean again i guess you're a child you don't know any better but i feel like you know i wish i had said to the coach i need to go to the toilet or i need an adult or i need to you know i no, was trying to pretend like it wasn't happening you're listening to shame feeder
0: Hi, welcome to Shame Feeder. It's a podcast where we try to dig down into shame, see if there's any connection between that and success. Um, the, the guest I have for this week, as I've said, that has given me a very confronted, scared look, uh, is a guy who I met Randomly, I think I was just hijacking a catch-up with some other people. And since then, I've kept in touch mainly by harassing him for interviews uh, (laughs) through radio. Uh, It's a very successful comedian, Durok Jai Singer. Mate, how you doing? Very good, mate. Thanks for having me. So what was our first encounter? Where where, where was it? So, look, it was uh, when Dave and Gareth from The Dollop were down. Oh yeah, and they were doing a podcast. I was uh, a friend of mine. I think was doing social media for them for their podcast festival. Right. I was just tagging along. Is that Dan? Uh, yeah, Dan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, who's actually done another episode of this podcast right. as well? That'll be coming up.
1: And and he was at a burger place. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, um, I'd done
0: the stand up show for the Dollar Boys. You had, and right. then um, I think we all actually grabbed some beers. You grabbed the only round. Everyone else left, oh. and I felt guilty that I hadn't paid, so I think I just, because you were going somewhere oh, else, wow. offered to pay for the taxi, and then we got a taxi somewhere, and then I awkwardly hung around with you and Tommy Dassalo From the
1: Little Dundon And I was Club. like, okay, yeah, right. what am uh, I doing here? I should leave. Very, oh, so is that the first time we met? That's interesting. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, I'm glad that you're thanking me about buying those drinks by asking me to be on your Shane <laughs> podcast.
0: So, look, for those who aren't aware of you, how would you describe uh, what you're, when you introduce yourself, is it? Mm jaising a comedian. Yeah, I would say jaising
1: a stand-up comedian, uh, based in Australia, originally from Sri Lanka. That's probably how I would describe myself. Yeah. Formerly um, an accountant, now comedian. Maybe that as well. Do you remember much accounting? No. No, no. no. I was a terrible <laughs> accountant. I did it because, uh, you know, I was good enough to just pay the bills with it.
0: Fair enough. So, yeah. uh, so, how long have you done comedy for now? So, it's
1: actually seven years to last Thursday. It was exactly seven years after my first ever stand up spot. Sure. And uh, but I think I went full time with comedy the middle of last year, two thousand and sixteen. So, the first of July, two thousand and sixteen, was my first year as a first day as a full time comedian.
0: Okay. Um, Now, I'm seeing you all over the place. Obviously, you uh, you do a lot of stuff on Have You Been Paying Attention? Yeah, those
1: guys have been great to me. The Working Dog guys, they've invited me a lot on Have You Been Paying Attention? They asked me to be part of the new cast for season three of Utopia, which was unreal. Yeah, loved loved that, by the way. Yeah, man, it was unreal. It was so cool. (laughs) Because just, uh, you know, they've done so many great things in terms of comedy, you know, from like The Castle to Frontline to Late Show and now, you know, Utopia. Mm. just to even be part of it for those eight episodes was pretty, pretty, pretty spectacular.
0: Yeah. So you've managed a fair bit. You're saying you're, you're classifying yourself as only recently being like a full-time comedian. Yes. But in that whole time, what would you say you're most proud of? I think it would be just being able to,
1: um, you know, live off it, I would say. You know, I think I'm proud of the efforts that I put into. More so, I guess, yeah, more than the results necessarily, it was the first time I really went hardcore, you know, no excuses, just worked my ass off into something, you know. So, from that, after that first gig, I really didn't take the foot off the pedal and I just kept trying to do as many spots as I could, no matter how much they were going to pay me or not, whether <laughs> how long it was going to take me to get there or back. I still was just happy to be able to do this, you know, as even a five-minute spot. So I think I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the commitment that I put into it. Yeah. I would say that's probably it.
0: Is there, along the road, were there points of, well, is this going to pan out? Or? Whether
1: this is going to pan out or not? Yeah. No. I know that sounds arrogant, <laughs> but it's because I didn't give myself a deadline. Okay. I gave myself as long as it takes as long i just knew that after my first ever spot that this is all i'm going to work on for the rest of my life so it didn't matter whether i you know it came good or i was able to live off it 5 years from now or you know 20 years from now i was just knew that this is all i was going to do mm. and everything else uh, came, became secondary i still put my family my mom dad and my brother first but then after that i put the comedy career definitely as you know, next in line yeah. of you know, with priorities. And I just knew that, you know, it will happen or I die. One of those two things. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. I'm just going
0: to keep going until it, you know, it kills one, you. Of <laughs> one of those One of those two things will happen yeah. first. Okay. So, but with balancing the family stuff, because uh, I know you do a few trips back to Sri Lanka, mm-hmm. Does, has that ever gotten in the way of maybe chances for comedy?
1: Interesting question. Maybe I
0: would say, look,
1: this year was a good example where I had a fair bit of stuff on and, um, you know, I had planned a little trip to Sri Lanka and had to postpone it because of some work that came across that I couldn't say no to, I didn't want to say no to. Um, But then there was a trip that I was going to go to Edinburgh Fringe Festival just for like two weeks just to see what it's like. And I didn't do that trip and instead spent that time visiting my folks. So, yeah, in that sense, you could say that I would have probably invested in my comedy career by seeing, you know, shows in Edinburgh, getting inspired by them, maybe, you know, inspired to go back next year, mm. uh, having an awareness of what the festival might have looked like. But I chose to see my folks instead yeah, because okay. the way I looked at it is, you know, Edinburgh should be there next year. I'm not sure about my mom and dad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair. Uh, so that's what you're proud of is there anything singularly though that stands out as an achievement for you career wise do you think i guess
1: again just being able to live off it mate like that was the the impossible dream like i just you know it's it's a weird one to answer because it was so far uh, uh, seemed like an unattainable goal mm. Mm. put it this way like i was very realistic about where i was at but i was delusional about the future <laughs> so i would go Like I said, you know, I'm just going to keep trying for Mm. the rest of my life until it works, and it'll work at some point, or I die. Like I said, but (laughs) it's definitely fixating
0: a lot on death, to be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I am. I I do think, you know, we we tend to forget that, you know everyone dies mm-hmm. everyone will die you will die uh, you know everyone listening will die so everyone who's listening right now had someone they know die in the last 12 months it's a weird thing that we don't talk about enough i feel I- that and and i think <laughs> the more you acknowledge it the more you're able to recalibrate and prioritize your mm. your existence
0: i feel I think this is the first podcast for this I've re- recorded that we've gone into the fatalistic dark stuff before talking about show. Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't
1: know. Is it? I mean, it is dark. I guess it's morbid is the word, but I guess, mm. I, I don't know. I don't think we should shy away from it. I yeah. feel like once you acknowledge, you know, like the example about my parents, you know, as a kid I used to be someone who was scared to think of them as being not around anymore. Mm. But now because I know that is a very real thing, Situation that I make sure I try and make the most of my time I have Mm -hmm. with them, which is like, for example, rather than going to Edinburgh, I like value the time I could spend with them more. Yeah. You know, so I think, uh, I don't know, I've I've become, I guess, a bit more uh, accepting of the inevitability of death, but at the same time, that has caused me to celebrate every day a lot more.
0: Look, it it seems like that's working out for me. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah. Okay then, uh, if that's also what you're so, proud in terms of-,
1: of going things, I'm proud of. I guess it would be being able to live off it, being able to because like you know, being able to do five minutes was seemed impossible. Then I got there, and then it was like, okay, let's see if we can do ten minutes. Great, let's see if we can do an MC spot. Oh, great, mm. if we can do twenty minutes in a row. Like it was just a case of building to that. Then a the one-hour show at the festival. You know, it's 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 a uh, it's a lot of things, I guess. And I don't want to sound that to be up my own ass to say that I'm proud of so many things, but I think it is. Really, the the output is one thing. It's more about the fact that I put in the work. That's what I'm proud of.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you said you know you, you got to one goal, then you'd start looking to the next. Mm. What are you looking to now?
1: Again, I think it would be more to do with I, I really want to get better as a uh, with my writing ethic. I don't have a real good uh, writing sh- work schedule. I, I, I sort of have this annual. I've done four comedy festival shows, which is a whole new hour of comedy. And it's almost always that I end up writing it in the last three months. Like from Jan onwards Mm -hmm. is when I start to sit down and write the show. And I always tell myself I want to start earlier each year and get, you know, get on top of it earlier. And I think that's what I want to be. That's what my next goal would be is to start to get like a better writing schedule. Okay,
0: cool. Well... I mean, it sounds. I mean, I knew going in there was, that there would be a lot to talk to you mm. about uh, achievement and stuff. But next, want to cover off on shame, and since you've already talked to death, mm. I'm interested to see where see where that goes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Keep up to date on the latest episodes by subscribing to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and all other apps.
0: Ready to pop the question? Okay, so you've been working goal to goal, mm. uh, Dill. So let's. I mean, as I said, we've already talked death, but I think in a positive way. Uh,
1: I think so. I don't think. I don't want to make it sound like it's a depressing thing. I think it's just yeah. remembering that that it's coming means Mm. that let's just you know it's sort of like if you knew you are going to get kicked out of a party that you're having a good time at you'd want to make sure that this last few minutes of this party is really enjoyable and you say goodbye to the people you want to you know say goodbye to (laughs) you don't you know pick a fight with someone that you love and then Mm. never be able to say sorry for them (laughs) to them again about it you know true
0: okay so but moving to shame shame yes I have a lot of shame I'm I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed because there's been a lot of people I've interviewed who've walked into the room and gone, I'm not ashamed of anything. No,
1: no, I'm ashamed of walking into this room for the first <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry I said yes to this. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, no, no, I'm sure there's a few people that have um, thought
1: that. I, I reckon, okay, look, I mean, it's weird that someone told you that they never had shame. Shame's a constant thing. I would yeah. say I'm ashamed of... Um, some of the ways I bullied my cousin as a kid. You know, she was about four years younger than me. We lived together in the same house. And I've since apologized to her. I mean, I was a six-year-old kid or, you know, 10-year-old or whatever. I didn't know any better. but um, It's still
0: there. It's still there. You feel a bit of shame.
1: I feel a bit of shame with certain... uh, Ex-partners, you know, about oh. uh, you know how I behaved after breaking up, You know, whereas there's a little part of me that I go, oh, I could have handled that a bit better, you know. <laughs> there's shame with stand-up, you know, bits and bobs that I thought were funny and I said it thinking it was hilarious and it was just awful. Mm. There's a shame around there. There's shame attached to the things I might have said to my parents when I was drunk sometimes, you know. I mean? <laughs> there's too many to pick from, okay. Sam.
0: Well, look, the way I describe it to people is I say, and it's what got me thinking in this, to be honest, is um, is there anything that when you're sitting there maybe doing nothing and you have that thought pop into your head and you go, oh, I wish I hadn't done that? Oh,
1: always. Yeah?
0: Always. Do you I, have any particular I, stories?
1: Ah, man, nothing that I'm comfortable sharing it publicly, to okay. be honest. Fair enough. But I, uh, I'll think, I'm sure that something will pop into my head as we go along. Okay. But I think it is an interesting thing to that sentence you said, which is, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't said that. I, I, I wonder... If that's true, I wonder whether, you know, yes, maybe doing it was the wrong thing, but I sometimes feel like the lessons you can learn off the back of something like that may lead to a more positive Absolutely. existence overall. Like. It's uh, UFC fighter Conor McGregor said, "I never lose. I either win or I learn." <laughs> so I really kind of think about that a bit. Where you know, you, if you really truly take a lesson from your from a, from a from a misstep or a fuck up, can we swear on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think then yeah, you you kind of come off a better person still. Having said that, you know, I mean there was there's a particular thing I remember when I was must have been about 6 or 7 years old, I used to go sw- swim competitively for my school and I um you know, I was quite young but I was apparently really good for my age. So I was training with a lot of the older the boys and stuff like that and uh I went in an all-boys school, I didn't just say boys because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> uh, I um you know, and on one particular morning of training I had I really needed to take a shit but I was too embarrassed <laughs> to tell anyone that I wanted a shit. So I just kind of ignored it and then it just happened and I had this bit of a bulge at the back of my my swimming trunks, my budgie smugglers, and no again, even that, no shit, no full of shit, <laughs> full of shit. And uh, again, I just rather than going to the showers or something like that, I just jumped in the pool and I was trying to pretend like it wasn't <laughs> happening. <laughs> so wow, did you end up swimming with it? Yeah, I think until one of the parents saw it, it, was like, get him out, get him out, and then like my mom had to come and get me out. And you know, I'm pretty sure everyone was laughing, and you know, it's quite embarrassing in hindsight. And I guess. I really regret not telling anyone. Like, I don't know what... I mean, again, I guess you're a child. You don't know any better. But I feel like, you know, I wish I had said to the coach, I need to go to the toilet, or I need an adult, Mm. or I need to, you know, I don't know, man, you know, something like that was probably uh, definitely something I regret. (laughs) I I have some shame around.
0: I get that. So, I mean, I've got a similar story. I think I was waiting in a canteen line. I was so desperate for lunch. I was Mm. like six as well or something. Okay. And just ended up pissing my pants because I was just so desperate for that food. Wow. So you pissed your pants because you were hungry? Yeah. (laughs) That's not how biology works. (laughs) That's not...
1: A signal to your
0: stomach that you need to eat. I was oh, I'd already started. Then I think it hit me. I was like, yeah. oh, I need to pee, and the queue just took forever. Right, right, right. At the, at the school canteen. Yeah, we have um, all
1: pissed up ants at some oh, point. Yeah. We've people have uh... normally when
0: I've been drunk though. Not
1: yeah, you know. it's true. I've done that when I was drunk. I've done. I've definitely walked up uh, in a in a puddle of piss that I wish I, uh, you know, had drunk less the night before. Yes, okay. That was, I think, at Splendid in the Grass. Uh, I woke up in my tent with my friend uh, next to me and I was like, oh, do it. I think you need to get out. He goes, well, I'm like, I think I've pissed, the, I've pissed my, <laughs> my my uh, my sleeping bag. He goes, yep, we've all done it, mate. No dramas. Well, that's a pretty cool friend. Oh, he's a great friend. Blake Henderson. Lovely dude. Okay. You so we shouldn't have named him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, look, it's a podcast. and It's not one that has a big audience. It'll be yeah, fine. He's one of the best dudes. So, um, so just going back to the, mm. the shitting your, your swimmers. Yes, sorry for a sec. yes, yes, yes. After it happened, did that ever come up in conversation again?
1: Uh, no, I did use it as... Uh, I did a radio show on community radio station called Cine here in uh, Melbourne. It's a uh, RMIT it was run out of RMIT and it was for youth. It was hmm. uh, for so anyone under 25 could apply for a radio show and it was a great way to get people excited about working in media. So you have still can. I think alumni um, would be like Pemish Nandi I believe yeah. you know started off there. So I um I did a show where, just 10 episodes, after, just after I started doing comedy, so back in 2010, and I called it Deal Conceived Notions, which is uh, one of my favorite puns. I'm a big pun man. People don't agree with me, but I like it. And How many
0: um, of shows have had puns in the name?
1: I think all four, so if I have had a pun. Yeah, uh, yeah. so let's see. there was uh, Kind of a Big Deal was the first show, then there was uh, Immigrateful, then there was Sri Wanker, and then there was out of the deal, So so four puns. Different, not always, just a variation on Dill. Um, and I um, I told 10 different stories at the start of each episode of a really dumb thing I did. Mm. And one of those was the story about shooting my pants in swimming. And um, I guess the way it informed me, if anything, in to do with how I ended up here is I think I do enjoy that aspect of comedy or stand-up comedy, which is being able to reclaim ownership of a horrible story it's Mm -hmm. like even now i've heard uh, other comics talk about this so this is not an original thought by any stretch but that idea that you know as you're going through some crap now it still feels like you know what at least it might be material one day like you know even if you're crying you're like well i might be able to get a little show out of this you know what i mean like it's a it's a freeing feeling Mm because we you know i think being able to like the show Sri Lanka that I did two years ago, that was a collection of all my most embarrassing stories, stories that at the time I wish no one ever found out about. Mm. I wanted to see if I can tell them in a row and see if I can survive telling the story, but also see if people can still like me at the end of it. So, funny enough, the pooping of the uh, the, the swim trunks didn't show up in that, story, in that show, but <laughs> I did talk about shitting my pants as an adult
0: or right. after... After being on the piss, so obviously, I've got a lot of poop stories. Yeah, mate, I told one on Friday on air just before flying yeah, down yeah, here, yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, about nearly shitting myself in the car because I got stuck in traffic. Well, nearly, mate, don't, don't come to me with your nearly oh, stories, mate, <laughs> all right? Either
1: stack your decks or don't talk to me.
0: <laughs> okay, I didn't realize I would be poo shamed.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm shaming you for not shitting yourself. Yeah. But yeah so so you know I think having this job where I feel like I can you know use shame and mm. embarrassment and and pain Mm. and suffering to be something that is not only cathartic because you're sharing it the story with other people, um, it's also nice that that's paying the bills. Yeah. <laughs> so you're taking all this awful stuff that you kind of went through and be able to use it into yeah. something positive. And I found it an interesting show to perform because I found that either people, especially the, the particular poor story, um, either people relate to it because mm. they go, oh, man, I've been there. And they 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 they're happy that someone else is talking about it, or the audience is like, oh my god, I'm so glad I'm not that guy right now, you know? I'm yeah, glad, you know. So it is this really fun area to play in for me, and it was it was yeah, I really loved doing that show because at the end of it, it was like, oh well, I've um, very little to be ashamed of now. Mm. And same with the um, the podcast that we mentioned a little bit earlier, the Little Dum Dum Club. They did a uh, a they did a, uh, a roast of the uh, of um, um They did a roast of me perform, you know, a Dilrug Jaising roast and all these different comedians. We ripped into each other and we said some pretty horrible things uh, to each other. And I felt really good afterwards because it was this thing of all my, again, you Mm. know, my most vulnerable things were out in the open and people are laughing and then we're celebrating
0: it rather than keeping
1: it, you know, hiding Okay.
0: Well, I want to touch more on in a sec, uh, you know, its influence on you a little. I want to just follow up. With again, just to obsess on poo, mm. um, that story was there because you've used it for your stand-up. Yes, but were you, you know, um, were there times before then that you thought about it again? Like, how did it did it pop into your head over the years you before know, you used it in stand-up? Or? <laughs> That's really funny. I think we're going to come full circle here. So the day
1: that you and I met. Okay. Uh, allegedly. The, the allegedly. We met at the okay. day of the dollop, <laughs> Yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, earlier that afternoon, I recorded a podcast with the dollop guys, Dave Anthony Gareth Reynolds, mm. um, the Green Guide Letters podcast, mm. a live show down in North Melbourne at Public Bar. And uh, a couple of weeks before that, Ash Williams, um, comedian, presenter, who is quite regular on the Green Guide Letters podcast, talked about a night out where he put his pants <laughs> and steel. Saunders, the host of Green Guide Letters, said, oh, you're replacing Ash. It'd be, uh, you better have some good pool stories. <laughs> I said, oh, actually, I might have one. And he goes, you for real? I'm like, yeah, let's. And so I told that story for the first time on that Green Guide Letters podcast. Okay, And it went great. Yeah, I bet. It. and I I had tried it I think as as a stand up bit when I first started maybe early on because you're trying to find out what mm. stories and I guess I didn't have the skill to be able to pull off a story like that without grossing the crowd out yeah. you know what I mean yeah. um uh, whereas when I told you on this thing it was just, on this podcast we were just you know it, it went really well and Dave Anthony told me oh have you done that as stand up I was like oh no I never Thought of it as being something that could work. He goes, Oh man, you have to. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's like, You really, really need to try and figure out because that's a great story. And I went, All right, I'll give it a crack. And, uh, and I, you know, over over the next couple of months, I worked on it, and it was definitely like a a big piece in my <laughs> show last year in 2016 show. And it's the one bit that people would either tweet at me about, or or when I'd start the story, if there were Green Guide listeners in the crowd, they'd mm. start like kind of giving it a bit of a clap because there was this <laughs> sense of recognition. Yeah. It was called A shirt nappy story because the whole premise, the idea is, because I don't focus on the the actual grossness of it what the, the thing that i focus on is because i would wrecked my pants and i was in it was in the cbd at spencer street uh, the DFO shopping center um i had to get rid of my underwear and my pants but my shirt was still okay hmm. so i used my long sleeve shirt to wrap like it right around my waist like a loincloth and i walked down spencer street during daylight just wearing nothing but this shirt like what? <laughs> i know so wait, so is this a different story to the Same swimming story. pool Different stories. The swimming pool. Okay. So yeah. when did the the pooing your pants? That happened about. Sorry, did we get lost in the timeline I think of poo? Got lost in poo timeline. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Sorry. Sorry. When you asked me what was the original question as to whether I would have ever told that story? Uh, yeah. The the swimming pool. The pool swimming, swimming one. Sorry. I yeah. was uh, I was still talking about the <laughs> the third one. The swimming one. Uh, I haven't told it as stand-up. I think, it's uh, may. I mean. I feel like I may have. I don't know, but definitely not as a consistent bit. Hmm. the The one I told at the 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 the, the one as an adult. Mm. The one that I was the one that I was just explaining with ah, uh, yeah, yeah. the green guide letters and all that the day we met.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, look. Um, I feel like you've already answered a lot of the questions I'm going to be asking <laughs> next about how the various poo stories of him Yeah, yeah, too, yeah. Maybe
1: I should just stuck with the one shirt poo story rather yeah, than the, okay. the
0: swimming trunks one. <laughs> so, very quickly, what was that? Because I don't think we really explained the full...
1: Well, that was the one that I said I talk, talked about during my 2016 show.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think we got the full details on this. No, one. no. You can listen to the Green Guy Letters podcast <laughs> you with Dave, Dave Anthony and, and Gareth Reynolds if you want to hear it. But I can tell you the gist of it, which yep. was that I did, you know, wreck uh, my pants and uh, you the only thing I had at my disposal was my shirt and I Use the shirt to kind of wrap it around me, and you know, use the knot that he created to, as like a you know, to cover my junk. And then, and then also, I had a, a Christmas present, it was after a work Christmas party. <laughs> and The Christmas present was Will Anderson's DVD
0: <laughs> <laughs> that I used to cover my crotch as I walked. Front <laughs> okay, um, well, yeah, definitely check out Green Guide Letters. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so well, next, we've already touched on it a fair bit, but I want to see a little bit more how you reckon that's influenced you generally, if you're up mm. for it. Yeah, yeah, sure. For extra content, check out the Sam Blacker page on Facebook. Okay, so we've answered a lot of these questions anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think, like I said, mainly because it's that idea of being able to control the fact that... Uh, there's a quote by comedian Harry Shearer who said that comedians get into comedy uh, to control why people laugh at them. Mm-hmm. And I find that quite interesting because I think it's true. It is that idea that, you know, we all, you know, feel... Embarrassed and ashamed all the time, except for some of your listeners' uh, interviews. Apparently, who don't. Yeah. But, um, but I think being a comedian, you then get a chance, an opportunity to use that to your advantage, and mm. you know, own it, and then you know, build on it, and mm. then you know, learn from it, and hopefully, sort of, you know, have that cathartic moment where you're like, okay, here's this horrible thing that I did and I said, and I wish I didn't. Um, But it's out there now, and I'm still alive, so it's okay.
0: Mm, Okay. But so the lessons you probably got from it are more to be okay with it and to use it and less to make sure you don't hold in a shit, is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I would say, um, I think
1: the lesson would be to just remember that, you know, speak up. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel afraid about it, you know. I feel, you know, if you need help, ask for help maybe. Maybe that, maybe that's the big lesson from the swimming trunk story is that, you know, just knowing that, you know, asking for help doesn't make you weaker, yeah. you know. And in fact, if you maybe... If you don't, uh, if you don't ask for help, you might end up in more shit than you originally planned. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's the big uh, philosophical yeah. lesson from that right, whole. <laughs> do you reckon you asked
0: for more help since that story? I since think that is so. It, well, I wonder if
1: it's since that incident. No, I would say not not necessarily. But I feel like in the last ten years, uh, or so, pretty much since since starting doing comedy, I think knowing that I don't have all the answers and I need help because comedy was an industry that was very much I felt like really um, was very supportive mm. and you know I benefited a lot from people taking their time to teach me and, and benefited a lot from telling people oh I don't know can mm. you help me you know um, maybe maybe that's where I sort of took that lesson on board and I'm looking back in hindsight yeah you know, it is important to remember that it doesn't matter if you, you know, you don't know. It doesn't make you weaker. It doesn't make you a shit comedian just because you don't know how to, um, you know, do a particular thing. It doesn't make you a weak kid if you need to pull your pants.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Well, look, I know you've got a you've got a busy afternoon, so I'll let you go uh, for when we're recording this now. Yeah. But. Sincerely, Dell. thanks for coming to Ma- recording my this. My pleasure. I- my pleasure. I can't wait to listen back to it. Oh, <laughs> and li- li-
1: relive the horror of my childhood trauma.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you for recording. No
1: worries, buddy.
0: Thanks for listening to Shame Feeder. Keep up to date by subscribing or liking the Sam Blacker page on Facebook.